All right, folks, more technical issues. <laughs> uh, welcome to another episode of the Coffee Roaster Warm Sessions podcast. This is take two of mm. episode, I think, 78. And uh, yeah, let's pour some batchy. Let's get into this. <laughs> uh, no jingle talk. This no time. jingle talk. I, that was right off the cuff. We're talking about how we need it, whether we need a jingle or not. And fortunately, yeah. the recorder just stopped recording or it died. So. No jingle talk, we'll save that for another day. But, thank God we have world-class coffee on this episode. Truly world-class. I mean, I don't know, this is just because it's round two, but it kind of tastes better, but also it kind of tastes worse. I mean, it cooled down a little bit. Yeah. It just got so much brighter. No, I actually think there's, there's more sweetness coming through. There's still that like artificial yeah. gummy bear flavor on the back end. Oh, one hundred percent. So intense. Yeah, I that's um, and that's the stuff that I don't really enjoy out of naturals. <laughs> um, but that that all being said, um, this is a spectacular coffee. Um, tell us a little bit more. What do we have here? Right. So we have a coffee from Manhattan Coffee Roasters right here in my hand. From Mauricio Chata, great good old coffee from Colombia, Tolima. It's tasty. I mean, Manhattan made a whole new category for this coffee alone. Like, you know how they have, like, what are their categories? Yeah, like rare, uh, yeah. world-class, exceptional yeah. competition. Competition, yeah. Um, so they have world-class, which we've had some of their world-class yeah. coffee. Now they have world class plus, plus, reserved for this coffee. They only got wow. twenty kgs of it, so it's rare, very rare, and uh, probably it's probably those twenty kgs are probably all packaged up in bags. If not, this may be the last bag in the world that exists right now. Something like that. There's a very good chance. Very good chance. Yeah. There's literally a good chance that there's this. I, I tried right finding now, it online. Couldn't. We're holding a gold mine right here on the table. Yeah. I mean, we're also brewing on batch. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Take a world-class coffee that cost an arm and a leg yeah. that there's only so much left in the world, and you put a 50-gram batch dose. Excellent. Yeah. Incredible. I mean, it, it, it is great. It is world-class plus. It was used. I should have uh, brewed this on a Mr. Coffee. Anyways. Ooh, that would have been fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was uh, used at World Barista Championship this Right. This go around. Brewers Cup or champ barista? No, barista. Okay. Yeah. Because Brewers Cup was another coffee that we were familiar with. Right, right. Was used on there. But this one was, as far as I know, as far as I've been told, it was sixth place. Wow. Yeah. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. That's Mauricio Shata. If anyone's listening, wants to look it up for me. Yeah. Um. Yeah, It. it's, it's phenomenal. Uh, like I said, Earlier, like this brew is probably not the best. Should have went a little finer, just a bit. Yeah, it's close, but it's not there. Yeah, yeah. You know, it could have a little more sweetness. Yeah. But still, the brightness and the acidity. Um, it almost like when I drink it, I almost feel like I'm drinking two things mixed. Mm-hmm. Like there's such distinct clarity in it. Yeah. It's like the acidity is there. It's bright. It's juicy. It's nice. And yeah. then the aftertaste is almost like, uh, um, I was going to say like drinking plastic, if that makes any sense. But it has that viscosity, like it's 
um, tastes like melted, like simple syrup, like very artificial kind of gummy bear kind of. I lost you drinking plastic. I was like, I know it's I, like I, I it's just kind of, sometimes my mind thinks <laughs> in very strange ways like that. Like whatever, whatever, whatever you thought when you listened to this, uh, just think about the good, the best version yeah. of it. Let's not. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. T- to me, it's more like m- the mouth feel on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess that might not sound very appetizing. Drinking plastic yeah. may not be. Anyways, regardless, just take our word for it that it's yeah, it's, it's unreal. A, it's a, it's a tasty coffee. Um, to be honest, I would probably prefer the Diego coffee from Manhattan. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, personal preference. Um, I Diego has a has a the Diego Bermudas has a unique place in my heart. Yeah, but uh, but it's still good regardless. So um, it's a treat to have a coffee where, you know. Drinking coffees that are truly world class, yeah. like it's like you know, if you were to buy the most expensive bottle of wine, almost, mm-hmm. um, it's really on that on that level almost. And to think that it went through the whole process from the beginning of harvest mm-hmm. to the cup, and everybody along the whole supply chain yeah. had to do a spectacular job at what they do. Mm-hmm just to get the end cup result yeah. that we have right now just for this podcast really mm-hmm. i mean in, in, in reality it's like really they yeah. just made this for us to enjoy this on the podcast it's insane yeah you know and so um yeah i'm i'm truly fascinated with this coffee yeah. I, I love it yeah like you said diego holds it uh, like a special place in my heart as yeah. well because it was kind of a mind melter mm-hmm. from one of my first manhattan coffees ever um but this coffee is so complex in a strange way, in my opinion, that I'm like saying stupid flavor now it's like plastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, shout out to Manhattan for roasting up such tasty mm-hmm. um, and sourcing such a tasty coffee. So that's exciting. Um, that being said, um, let's roll right into this episode. So we had uh, Bobby from Texas send us over a, a question mm-hmm. um, that he asked over DMs. And we get a lot of questions, but um, sometimes questions like this are just so loaded that it's like, yeah. I don't want to, you know, type up a whole essay. And this actually might be beneficial for a lot of people yeah. um, to just make a whole episode about it. So he says, so I want to ask, what do you think keeps baristas motivated and what keeps customers coming back? Yeah. So let's let's dive into the, the what keeps Breeze's motivated. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about customers, and at the end, let's just wrap it up because I think yeah. there are some similarities in there. Yeah. But, anyways, what do you think keeps Breeze's motivated? Uh, I think before you even start with the keeping Breeze's motivated part, you want to make sure that you hire motivated baristas, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Um, the hiring process is just crucial. Yeah, it's super important. And it's also super difficult because there's no such thing as perfect hiring. Um, turnover kind of happens, and that's kind of part of the game. Mm-hmm. It sucks when it does. But the reality is there are a few things you can you can do and you can look for in the hiring process to find folks who you are going to be able to keep motivated. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically starts with finding folks who are teachable. Yeah. That's that's a fairly easy one um, to look for is like, are people actually wondering? Are they asking questions? Are they uh, 
just looking for a job or they actually like want to pursue something in coffee. Um, those are good things. But there's also not a very easy answer for, for that because I've also hired multiple different stacked or unstacked resumes and mm-hmm. had a very varying experiences around that. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes the resume that has the most uh, the most qualifications is usually not the best one, and sometimes it's very hard to keep those baristas motivated. But on yeah. the other hand, someone who's like, man, I'm just excited about coffee and I want to learn more. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, I think that the the difficulty, especially with coffee shops and hiring baristas and having baristas motivated and then also being in the attention of somebody with a stacked resume who knows everything about coffee may not be a great fit and somebody with no experience or nothing may be the best fit Mm -hmm. that throws a wrench in this whole thing and i think the underlining tone under that is even more so the fact that um working at a cafe still is like an entry-level job Mm-hmm. considered at least yeah and it still has a very low barrier to entry yep. and that causes some difficulties and some pain points for those very reasons you mm-hmm. know um hiring the most the most perfect stacked resume candidate may propose some kind of other challenges yep. but then realizing that like well if you're hiring somebody who just needs a job just to just to pay rent and they don't actually care about the job, um, that's going to be hard to just motivate them. Yeah. Well, other, they'll have other, a different motivation. Yeah, they, right? they'll, yeah. yeah. And it just it just may not be reflected in the work that they do, you know? So yeah. it's that that's the challenging part is that, you know, you really... Um, and I, I would totally agree that to start off with, if you're hiring somebody who's really already motivated, who's passionate about what the job that they're trying to get... That's already getting you a couple steps mm-hmm. ahead. Um, there's a big deal, but it's also, and that's the thing. It's really challenging, especially yeah. when you know it's it's a coffee job. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That that's a big one because a teachable person, without any like professional skills, can go farther than someone with a stacked you know level of professional skills, but kind of feels like they figured it out. For sure. So that's I, I know for myself like that's one thing like I I need to continue to grow, yeah. Like so I need challenges to overcome. What do you think? Which you've you're now touching up on that, but what do you think? Like you have a, you have a team. You're kind of in the management role, whether you're the owner or mm-hmm. you're a manager. Um, and say we're not talking about hiring because, yeah. I mean, that ship has sailed. You've already have a team, right? What do you what do you do to keep Brees motivated? What are some things that you can add to the experience that actually gets them passionate and excited to show up for work. Yeah. Uh, create a growth plan as a manager. Fair enough. And like, what, what does that look like? Well, find things that already like excite the baristas. Like, I mean, I'm thinking of specific people, whether that's as cheesy or as kind of cliche for a cafe as latte art. Mm-hmm. Um, how can you invest into that? If someone is passionate about certain areas, what kind of tools that it can you pass on and give to them to grow in that area? Because at the end of the day, uh, it's going to still benefit the business. It's going to benefit you. It's going to continue um, just growth. It's going to basically prosper growth there. I'm thinking of like even Emily, uh, like narrative right now. Mm-hmm. Like she didn't have much coffee experience when she was hired. 
now she works for Onyx Coffee, the importing company, yeah. and works at Narrative. Like, to yeah. me, that's exciting. Like, what can I do to further equip her so that she mm-hmm. can continue working there and here? Because actually, her role there is helping me as a manager behind the bar right. running a cafe. So it's those kind of elements, like creating a plan and a growth plan. And then in order to do that, you have to get to know a barista. So that means as a manager, like how often are you checking in with baristas? Like we actually do scheduled one-on-ones. Like mm-hmm. we have team meetings. Like those things are important just to understand where people are at, mm-hmm. you know. And everyone, like th- there's no like, there's no such thing as, someone just like you know skyrocketing the whole way through there's ups and downs so your goal is to um be there the whole time like whether it's someone is just like growing and blowing up or someone slumping like 100 percent. i think um yeah that's that's a very valid point that it's kind of an up and down experience um and uh i'm just gonna steal this right away from gary b which um he talked about like his hiring approach and um, which is a little different because he's in a completely different industry. Mm-hmm. But one thing I do appreciate is that um, those one-on-ones, like he still does. He has like 1,200 employees. He still will schedule quick little touch bases with everyday employees mm-hmm. just so he can kind of keep tabs on them and kind of get a feel as to where people are at in their life. And he caught, he mentioned something where he said um, where he had one uh, person – who was working for him and she was like, Gary, I want to, I want to take your spot at, at Vayner. I want to, I want to work up and, you know, work my butt off to be able to replace you at some point and carry this company forward. And then five, six years down the line, all of a sudden when life experiences changed and all this stuff and all of a sudden she was like, actually on second thought, that's not really what I want anymore. And for, and uh, anyways, he had a lot to share, but the point of that was that like at different stages in your life, as you're working yep. at the same job, you, there's your needs and your desires and your motivations are going to fluctuate. Mm-hmm. And how do you um, keep in touch with them, be mm-hmm. connected with them enough to be able to know uh, what are the things that they need right now in their mm-hmm. life? And that's going to change whether, you know, all of a sudden, whether, you know, you go off, you get married or... Um, you know, stuff happens, stuff changes in your life. You yeah. need to be able to be in the management, I think. Um, and unfortunately, I've, I've never managed anything, so take it with a grain of salt. But be in touch enough for you to be able to adjust accordingly to yeah. what people are experiencing, whether that's in their skill set, in their personal lives, uh, everything. Yeah, 100%. And like one who has been in management, everything you're saying is like I've actually seen executed well or not so well mm-hmm. so you're 100 percent right like those are very very big key elements and one of the things within getting to know your staff or your baristas is understanding um like what are some skills and what are some values that or what value can they bring to the company mm-hmm. and then seeing that that one that benefits the company benefits you but at the end of the day you want to make sure that they're flourishing in that area. Mm-hmm. I mean, one one person comes to mind is Reese. You mm-hmm. remember Reese from Makeworth? Yeah, yeah. Um, he was just a barista, cranking it out. Worked at you know Woods, moved to Makeworth, and just cranking yeah. it out. Then we realized that he had a desire to bake. We're like, yeah. you should bake some stuff. And he ended up one time baking uh, things for a Christmas party. And we're like, yeah. this is fantastic. 
Yeah. Like, what can you do? And all of a sudden, he became the lead baker at Makeworth at one point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's like seeing those things and being able to champion people in those areas and allow them to just yeah. prosper. So, but that also yes. created a lot of value for the company. Imagine now, at that point, Makeworth had a in-house baker. Yeah. You know? I think, I think that's, I mean, that, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, I think there's like on both sides of the spectrum. Um, I think in management, sometimes management fails to see those opportunities, mm-hmm. um, which creates, you know, doesn't really create an opportunity, a drive for the barista to take a hold of those, um, yeah, of, the, of those of those opportunities and leverage their skills to be able to add to the company. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I think, um, as management, I think if you're able to see those kinds of things that people are gravitating to have a knack for, or can, can facilitate certain things because simply just because they're passionate outside of just pulling shots and espresso, I think that's huge. And actually that's going to benefit everybody across the table. The breeze is going to be way more motivated, way more inspired, mm-hmm. but then in management at the end of the day, I mean, this could not be for everybody. But something I've noticed is that what management really wants is people to start solving problems yeah. and start getting into places that they want to do and so that they can help sure. the company advance even yeah. more. Yeah. And that is 100%. so I in my opinion, I think that's lacking from mm-hmm. the employee standpoint, of course, from management as well. But mm-hmm. if we're talking about from employee standpoint as a barista, I think being able to just step up to the plate and say, Oh man, nobody's nobody's doing this can I just take this over and just run with it? Yeah. And I, I guarantee you um, management will appreciate yeah. you for that. Hopefully. <laughs> I yeah. mean, hopefully they yeah. should. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it's much easier to just pour gas on a small flame rather mm-hmm. than basically try to start a fire with wet wood. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. if you see something that's already burning, like yeah. keep adding gas to that because you're going to actually help fuel that fire and therefore it's going to be way easier for you to even manage a group of employees that are already taking ownership and are self-motivated yeah like you just got to get the ball rolling and that's where again going back to what we said earlier those one-on-ones help you keep track of that Mm -hmm. and that regular check-in um again like if you're a manager and you're trying to get your baristas motivated remember that you being in touch on the floor Mm -hmm. and off the floor making that space where you can work besides a barista Mm -hmm. and see how they're doing and be able to check in there, but also to create time and space to where you can say, okay, where are you at? Mm -hmm. Both are important, you know, for sure. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's to, to keep baristas motivated and work in general everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, it takes work. Uh, it yeah. takes it takes having a vision. Um, it takes yep. looking into the future. It takes uh, knowing and understanding and um, all this stuff. So yeah, that's yeah. what I would say. I would say that would be the final thing. Like the three things that I would yeah. mention would be that too. That would be the third thing. Yeah, vision casting. Yeah, like, uh, is the owner or the manager like continually reaffirming the vision of the company? and casting that vision to the employees and bringing examples to the barista and how they're executing on the vision. I, we just had a staff meeting and I said, y'all like, these are the things that 
y'all are crushing at. Like, this is the vision mm-hmm. of like narrative. This is what hospitality is paramount means. These are prime examples and mm-hmm. how it looks like. We've, we've, we're still talking about those examples. You can't state that enough. Yeah. No, you just cannot state yeah. that enough. Because then it makes the barista feel or the employee feel like they're actually creating change and actually there's more meaning to it than just, oh man, just pulled a great latte. And at the end of the day, if your business or your cafe, um, your coffee company, coffee roastery, if you can't facilitate that and there is no meaning to what you're doing and there is no why or there is no heart behind it, Mm -hmm. an idea and big picture, then... I don't think you can expect that from baristas. No, you can't expect them yeah. to be motivated. You can't expect them to run after something that's so beyond beyond just being a barista. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's, it's just you're asking for too much, especially you know if you're paying the minimum wage. Yeah. Then that that just adds a whole layer of complexity, yeah. and you're you're just asking for too much. You know, and at the end of the day, I think uh, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah. yeah, you're 100 percent right. And I'm thinking, some, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there's, there's so, there's, there's, there. I'm like, man, there's so many things I could say about uh, running a company and yeah, all this sure. stuff. But I'm, you know, that's that. Yeah. But uh, there's also, oh, there's a quote. Um, I'm gonna butcher it. Um, it's either uh, I think it was by Simon Sinek. I think, but maybe not. He says where leaders lack, I think, clarity or lack vision, um, employees uh, lack. Um, or the people lack commitment. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. It's either uh, when leaders lack vision or clarity. It's one yeah. of them. Um, but I mean, you can use probably will both. Come from yeah. Vision. yeah. 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 That that the people lack commitment, and to me that has stood out so much because it's very true. It's like, what are they gonna? What are the people going to grab onto? Right. Why? What are they committed to? Who knows what? Yeah. <laughs> Showing up every day at 8 a.m. Well, they can show up anywhere. They have a million places to show up in the world. To yeah. be honest, they could leave and, you know, go live in in Indonesia if they wanted to. Yeah, totally. I, I think what also could happen. I don't want to open up a whole new can of worms here, but what could happen is you'll see a barista actually take so much ownership of a place that they'll redefine the place. So if you're not propelling the vision, either someone will step in and propel it for you, which could be dangerous or could be very beneficial. Depends on how you look at it, right? But that could very well happen. And I've experienced that as well in places. So, Or they leave and start a cafe, cafe. down the street exactly. and you get wrecked. Yeah. Anyways, uh, what keeps what keeps uh, <laughs> what keeps coffee drinkers coming back? Yeah. Yeah. I think the uh, the consumer and guest question is also very interesting because it's not much different. <laughs> it's just it's similar concepts from a different perspective. Let me uh, let me preface this with saying that um because on this part I mean we're more specialty geared mm-hmm. and we drink these world class coffees at the end of the day the majority of your customers showing up to your cafe could care less about your world class Marie mm-hmm. Chat- Chata. <laughs> Yes, a hundred percent. Which so, is a hard truth to swallow. Yes, anyways, yeah. I mean, these type of coffees attract a very specific niche um, guest. So I, I and that's part of the solution. I think if you want to maintain a guest base or a coffee consumer base in your cafe, you have to understand what your guests want. Um, that's not a simple uh, to execute. 
because you have to invest a lot of time in getting to know your guests, being present, um, asking those okay. uh, questions, having conversations, mm-hmm. knowing your community. Like, what it, if mm-hmm. your whole community just, yeah. you know, loves, uh, I don't know, just loves a specific drink and you don't have it, yeah. there may be a reason, like, why you're not getting your guests mm-hmm. come to your cafe but are going to the cafe next door. Go ahead. Or understanding not only what they want, but being able to bring value, more value than what they're actually paying for. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, when somebody shows up and buys a $9 pour over or, you know, a $7 latte or whatever it is, what they're actually saying is that to me, this latte means way more mm-hmm. is way more valuable than seven dollars yeah and therefore i'm choosing to show up here to pay seven dollars because it yeah. means it has more value to me and that could be that they love the people there mm-hmm. they love the baristas they love the the atmosphere in your cafe they love uh how you make the drink they like the flavor of the drink yeah. which is more probably down the down the line um they like that you're quick they like that you're there on your way to to work all these things they at the end of the day make a decision say it's worth it for me to go there yeah when you don't provide enough value for them then guess what at some point they're gonna wake up and say it's that is not worth the seven dollars that i'm paying Mm -hmm. and it's actually it's worth it way more for me to make that at home yeah and this is just another caveat. I'm just going to throw it in there. It's a can of worms. But by value, I'm not just saying lowering or raising the prices of your drinks. Oh, yeah. 100%. That's actually yeah. a smidgen of it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the things that you said also go into this category of um, like one, it just makes me think. I don't know if this makes sense to you or to the listeners, but the reality is like we love pour overs, right? We go into a cafe and we grab pour overs. And if I would have to like kind of create a cafe over just my preferences, it would probably not be a successful cafe. Uh, Yeah, 100%. But my preferences are still important and I will still implement them into this model. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I, I only drink a few mochas. That doesn't mean mochas aren't tasty and doesn't mean that I can't make yeah. a mocha. Yeah with these values that I have. Mm -hmm. Like mochas can be bomb and exciting and awesome. And they have a guest base that is going to be fascinated with them. And you can make them with your values in place. Just because I like a pour over also doesn't mean like I don't need to serve batch brew. So that, and that's what I mean by getting to know your guest base is Mm -hmm. when you're bringing that kind of value, you're also bringing in what they're already familiar with mm-hmm. to that. So when someone's coming in and wants a uh, yeah. batch brew, I have it. But then I can also say, hey, I have these coffees. Yeah. I have this shata on yeah. pour over. Yeah. And this is why you would probably be fascinated by it. Yeah, there's... Uh, man, in the conversation of what keeps customers coming back... Um, yeah, flavor, I think is, is not quite as high as we want it to be. Yeah, that's true. For the majority of your customer base. 
You need to figure out what all those other things are for them. Um, we're kind of running out of time, but uh, Edwin Martinez, who is on the podcast before, he's the owner of Onyx Green um, Onyx Coffee Importers. Uh, he he went out. I think um, he has a TED Talk. Go listen to that TED mm-hmm. Talk. It's from like ten years ago. Um, he took a survey from outside, just asking people why they show up to cafes. And coffee was like number four. Mm. And to me, that's really eye-opening and was a very big learning experience. Even though we want it to be number one, that's mm-hmm. just not the reality. And if you keep fighting people for that, you're just, you're going to lose. I'm sorry, you will lose. <laughs> I mean, we know people who have. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this is where we can, you know, as we, as we land the plane, I think there's a common thread here because I think that if you can get baristas that are motivated and that feel cared for, that feel seen, that feel um, pushed uh, to, you know, pushed to go further Mm -hmm. and pushed in their skill set and pushed in their knowledge and understanding, all those things, that will bleed over and that behavior will actually be reciprocated into your everyday guests. Mm -hmm. And that is where I think things are really powerful because then now your guests are, now your baristas are approaching their guests the way you approach them Mm -hmm. in the manner of, I need to take care of these people Mm -hmm. and hear and listen to what they're looking for and how do I supply that and offer that. That's, I think, where there's a lot of value. I mean, as as simple as this sounds, it's pretty profound. It's just being kind. Yeah. Just be kind to people, right? Be kind to your baristas. That's one thing, taking care of your baristas. But also being kind to your guests. Like, I think a lot of the times we forget how the cafe space is like almost like a place of refuge for many people. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a place to connect while they disconnect from other things. And just that little attitude of kindness, like no matter what they're drinking, no matter what yeah. flavor experience they're having, it tastes so much better. For sure. Yeah. I, um, yeah. At the end of the day, we're all people. Yeah. Whether, you know, you're working behind bar or you're showing up to the bar. We're all yeah. people. We kind of want the same thing. Um, yeah. At the end. Yeah. It, being kind goes very far. <laughs> it just, it just goes goes ridiculously far. Yeah. So, last thoughts. That's it. I, th- I mean, I think that's it. That's it. Well, folks. Yeah. That's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Coffee Roaster Warm Sessions podcast, yeah. friends. Uh, if you like this, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Leave us a tasty review if you enjoyed this. If you think somebody else should listen to this episode, give that thing a share. But that all being said, thank you so much for listening. And remember, reflect what's good.